0: The name, Bateman, just reminds me of our great friend and inspiration, Patrick. Do you like Huey Lewis in the News? Their early work was a little too new wave for my tastes, but when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the song a boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humour. Is that a raincoat? Yes. Yes, it is. But the name Bateman also makes me think of, uh, of Jason Bateman, the brilliant uh, actor from Ozark. And, of course, uh, the wonderful double Super League grand final winner who was part of Wigan's victorious World Club Challenge team, ladies and gentlemen, uh, of the out-of-your-league parish. I present you the 2018 Super League Dream Teamer and 2019 NRL Second Row of the Year, the only man who can get us a reservation at Dorsier. But just to be clear, our guest is not related to the fictional American investment banker slash serial killer. Get your chainsaws out, everyone, for Mr. Bateman, Mr. John Bateman, a.k.a. Batty. Welcome to the podcast.
1: that's a huge, huge introduction, Will. A huge introduction. Big
2: Good
0: at that. Is it? I, I, I take it you have seen the, the, the greatest film around.
3: Didn't have a clue what you're about
2: if I'm honest with you, mate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, absolutely no. not. Mate. We, we rarely
0: do. <laughs> oh, by the way, Mark, did you know that Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play Patrick Bateman instead of Christian Bale in 1999, no. but he decided but to do know the that. beach instead?
4: I've not even seen the film either, so I think you're on oh. your own there, mate. Wilkin, you've definitely seen it. I have
1: seen it. I'm more interested in yeah. Mark Flanagan's fringe shadow right now, if you just look straight yeah. forward, Mark. That's that's the hairline he's been dying for. Do you know, like for 10 years, <laughs> just slightly receding, and then the shadow just gives everything for I'm him. having
4: like a five at the back and then just growing it long at the front just to <laughs> have a sweep around.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Remember, John, we're, we're a podcast as well. So if you're going to describe it, you put some work into it for those listening.
1: Okay, is that all
0: oh, right?
4: I will. Do we need nicknames here? Because we've got John and John, haven't we? We've got is it JW <laughs> and JB for the, Batty. for the next hour? Batty, let's
1: just Batty, Batty and uh, J Dubs. It's
2: easier, isn't it? <laughs> J- <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 right. Okay.
0: <laughs> Batty, let's get stuck into it. Um, yeah, <clears> everyone <throat> I speak to and, and everything I've sort of read and seen about you, everyone talks about you being a, a born leader and a, and a born winner. From the, from the little boy who grew up in, in Bradford, where do you think that came from?
3: Um, probably big on, obviously, my big brother. I had a brother that's three years older than me and probably just that mentality. I didn't want didn't to lose to anything we were doing as kids and just grew up playing sports against each other just fighting against each other constantly like a little brother does to a fair mate. And just went from there then started playing for the WL, the amateur club. And I think the the team at the time that we had that that back then, they they were just all the same. We had a a team full of people who were pretty similar and stuff like that. We just didn't want to lose and just went from there to be honest with you, mate. Mm.
0: Look, John, you became a father at 15, for those who don't know. How much did that change your life when you look back on it?
3: It's yeah, pretty crazy to think back to it now obviously, at the time there, it, was, it was one of the things that I didn't, uh, I didn't want to happen like it's, it's obviously I won't change it for the world now but at the time I was just shitting myself if I'm there. I just remember uh, Millie's mum Millie's Chloe she just she turned up at school well she, she was a couple of years older than me so she was in sixth form and I were in year 11 and she just walked up in, in corridor one, one day at school. And, give me a scam photo and I was just like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> Literally didn't have a did have a clue and she just give it to me and I was like, What's what's going on here? And she was like, Oh, I'm pregnant and I was just like, Nah, you're not. <laughs> you're not. So I just I didn't really believe it, mate, a fair mate. And as you do as a kid, you just think things will go away if you ignore it. And I ignored it and just kept on ignoring it, didn't speak to her, I kept on intercepting letters from uh, her mum to my mum and intercepting text messages and phone calls kept them blocking her mum's number and started just just didn't want to just didn't want to take it on board and move it to the fed got to about seven-month thing I think it was and one of the school teachers rang ran my mum up and let my mum know and obviously explained to her what was going on didn't, didn't explain to her long Chloe we were gone just said uh, John's obviously got co pregnant and, and obviously she's she would have a baby soon? My mum did. My mum did know the full story, so my mum wanted to know the full story. I, I remember it's clear as the hours. We went to on the dentist on that day, and she just my mum grabbing a fume and saying, "Come on, we've got something to talk about." Absolutely of shitting myself at school, but all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Just got all. She was fuming. Yeah, just went from there to fuming. fuming. Yeah. <laughs> Go, he <good> actually found <laughs> out. <but laughs> You've done well as a, as a fifth year,
4: knocking about with a sixth farmer though. Yeah, that that,
3: that was a good thing at school, (laughs) but until until, until you start getting taken, it's
0: a different story. On the the other side of it, I guess you had to grow up pretty quickly, didn't you? Because I know you had friends who, like a lot of people in rugby league, and and not just in rugby league, people in any walk of life really, were going down the wrong route and, and you didn't want to head down there. Was there any danger of you going down the wrong path, John?
3: Pretty close, yeah. I mean, well, I, I suppose I did at times. If I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh no, I, I managed to keep myself out of that shit and stuff like that." Because when I was a kid, we used to go around and do what kids used to do and get caused trouble, get in fights, and stuff like that. And I remember, I remember once I got locked up literally just before, just before was born. And for me, it was probably it was more about seeing what I did to Mum too. My we wounded everything to keep me my brother out of trouble. She, she looked after us, made sure we had everything as a, as kids and stuff like that. And that time when we got locked up, I, I remember being on bail for I think it was about six months, and every Sunday afternoon we had to go down to the police station to, to literally sign bail. So I had to just go down, sign bail, and obviously then they'd be like, Right, you, we'll let you know what happens for me. And we did that for six months con- continuously. Then got to the end of it and I said, oh, no charges, being dropped. But over that six months, just the fact of dragging her mum down the police station, like she'd never been involved with police in her life, to a fair mate. One thing that my mum's never done, she's, she's pretty straight she's pretty down the line, and she's pretty, she, she gets scared about anything, to a fair, but her mum being a mum, she was worried about me and I suppose just seeing her, what I did to her over that six months, it would me at peace and just thought, can't continue doing this and obviously, then Millie came along and it just it made me grow up massively. I'm not saying I grew up overnight. Like as soon as my little born, I'm ready to be ready to be your dad. Because probably still not now. You you learning every day. But for me, it was just about I was someone else in my life that I had to I had to look after. I couldn't go out causing trouble and thinking I wouldn't bother anyone else because I'd seen what i had done to Mum and I thought if, if I went out and did that, and it affected me, the little girl and she's going to grow up and she she wants to, she wants a the dad there to be proud of herself. So. I just knew I just I couldn't go about doing that shit. I'm not saying that I've been perfect ever since, because I and I'm pretty sure that no, no, no one can sit up there and say that they have, because we're not all that. But, yeah, you, you mess up in, along the way, but you learn from it, and it's about it's about obviously learning from what I did, and probably back in the day, I probably never did learn from it. When I was a kid, I'd just do it, and I'd think, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it again. No one's going to tell me what to do. You think you're right with everything you do as a kid, and just as it went on and it went on lies my eyes, Made me realise that I couldn't continue doing stuff like this, and I see my mates getting in trouble, getting locked up more and more, like getting sentences and stuff like that. We just didn't want to do that to my mum and my family, and especially my little girl. We
4: we talk about pressure in sport quite a bit, and um, just listening to your story, then at fifteen, sixteen, I think most rugby players are trying to make their way in the game, and I've listened to your story. and I think you must have been under a bit of pressure to make it at rugby because. The alternative is is having to provide for your daughter, and there's there's no perhaps no other route you can take. It's it's maybe stacking shelves or working on a building site. So that the pressure that you, and the expectation to make it in rugby league probably would have been a bit more for you than 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 everybody else.
3: Yeah, mate, definitely. I think even more so as because when, when I when I when I when I played rugby as a young kid, everyone used to tell me from thirteen year old, to twelve year old that. You're gonna be the next best thing, you're gonna be the next best thing. so in my head I literally i I got rid of everything. I didn't really want to go to school because I didn't cause I knew that I just wanted to play rugby. That's all I wanted to do when I was young kid. And as I as I got older and older, people like oh well got you know, think about what you're gonna do at college and like, no, I'm gonna be a rugby player. I knew what I wanted to do and that probably then obviously chucked in with started people having going out and started drinking and stuff like that, but then also the expectation of you don't want to be that kid that had everything as a kid, could have bit could have made it and then not then didn't doing it and obviously then I didn't really on top of that I had to I didn't want to I had a lot of people that I didn't want to let down, especially my family. My mum used to take me, my mum and grandma and my granddad used to take me everywhere as a kid to, to service area, to Yorkshire Camp, England Camp, everywhere. And you travel all over Saturday, Sunday, through week. I even I we didn't want our young kid obviously, um under thirteen, I think it was. So every, every Wednesday, my mum would finish work earlier. Actually, she finished finish work an hour earlier. Oh, shit. Bit <laughs> do you want to get it? Here's it. I'll no, leave it. Sorry. Um, yeah, so my mum would finish work an hour earlier every week. And so then she'd be, she, she wouldn't get paid for the hour that she missed. So that, that went on for a good two years while I was travelling over at Wigan. So I didn't want to let her down because, like my granddad, used to time off work telling tell me how to travelling everywhere. It was just expectation of everything else, if I'm honest with you as well, mate, plus them really adding on top of it. I just, I had to, I had to I had to make sure I was getting paid somewhere or another because I had a little girl to look after him. It was were, it were pretty tough, but obviously it worked out pretty good for me because I ended up getting paid off of what, a 16 year old? And I've never really known, known anything different, but as a kid coming up to that, you, you don't get taught to know that, you don't get taught to going to real life, life. I, I probably still didn't really understand it all until like 2021, I was still still living the life, like I just, I can't expect it to happen, if you know what I mean.
0: Wilco, did you have that? I mean, you know, I know, I know everyone's roots have been very different and you came from the pig farm, the humble pig farmers, you keep reminding us, but, it, it, genuine question and when you certainly when you were captain and skipper at Saints as well, you must have seen all sorts of lads like John who were coming into the game who had all sorts of different distractions, and Millie is the most beautiful distraction now for him, but at the time, you've got to get your head and and work out where you're gonna go with with your career, aren't you well,
1: yeah I think sport sport doesn't discriminate, it's about performance, right, so you know, you, you can be from the most humblest means ever, or you can be from the wealthiest background ever. You can, you know, be abundant in friends and, and, and in opportunities or not. Sport doesn't discriminate because it's about performance. And, you know, I, I think back to, I, I met John and I think it was like 2012, he came into the England camp at Loughborough. Um, he had his you know the little plait coming out the back there I, you know what I, mean? I remember with, with a few that a <laughs> yeah it, 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 John was John ahead. let me tell you that wasn't that I wasn't a in your life whatever whatever was going on then
2: I'm glad you got <laughs> it sorted
1: and, and things are better now look we yeah. all know but yeah. look at that at, at that point I met this guy right he's young he, he, he's confident uh, uh, he's competitive and like, sport cannot discriminate against that. If, if, if I'd have known, well, oh, John's going through some tough stuff, he's, he's, he's a young father, you know, he's he's from a, you know, he's, he's had a you know tough sort of background, he's got into scrapes, it's irrelevant. So sport, like, becomes a safe haven for people, Will. And I think at times, like, the, the, the purest thing in your life can be your career in sport, and that's, like, you know, a real escape for young people. And, and, and I'm not putting words in John's mouth, at all. Like He might just say that's not how it was at all. But for me, when I saw young people come into the team, you take them at performance value, not at social class. You know, <laughs> all of these values that, you know, everyday society judges people. So, yeah, I think sport's really pure in that sense. And, and, and you know, certainly when you meet John Burtman when when I first met him you know he's a competitor and that ultimately probably has defined John's career to ex- some extent is being a competitor like I don't think can think of a better word to describe the guy than how competitive he is like to the nth degree competing so hard all the time and I could see that when he was 16 17 when he came training with England
4: I think it's a rugby league dressing room is quite good for um a young man in in John's position as well because you're thrust into a changing room full of alpha males and you need to grow up really quickly. So in terms of being a young father and having responsibilities, being around other men is probably a good, good environment because he has to probably think about maybe having a mortgage in years to come or he has to worry about bills and supporting other people. So the fact that he was probably put into a Bradford dressing room at 16, 17, 18 was probably enabling him to, to be the man of the house for his daughter more so than probably lads his own age that, that might have been getting into trouble or having scrapes and, and trouble with the police so that that might have been the best the best situation for him at that time as well he probably won't to
3: the fair if I'm honest with you it probably will if I, I couldn't just on top of that it's he probably, it, it, it will, might get away from things it will, might my little version of how I how I got away from what people were doing, and I knew I had to be up in the morning, so I, I couldn't do that. So he gave me the reasoning behind that. People like, no, you can't do it because you've got to do this, and what? Well, why do I have to do that? Because you've got to do it because if you don't do it, then you don't get this from that. And the problem when I first started because I have got because it, it came, no, i was like, I knew I was going to do this, I knew I was going to do that, but then as you go older, you need to be, you need to train, you need to be on each tra- each train day to then progress to get picked for foot first, even in teams and stuff like that. And that will, like I said, probably might get away more so as well. Did you,
0: did you think, John, at any point that having a daughter so young, having a child so young would affect your rugby career?
3: Um, I wouldn't really say affect it. I think probably more people around me thought it was going to affect my rugby career than what I actually did, if I'm honest with you. And more people, probably not people close to me, not my family and stuff like that. Probably more people on the outer world was like, oh, why have you done that? It's, you're not going to be able to do this now, you're not going to be able to do that because you are be tied up in this and tied up in that. And I think when when I did have a milli so young, I went more the opposite way. I was like, right, I'm definitely going to do it now. I know where I need to go, I know what I need to do. And I think it just gave me a, a big focus on what I really actually wanted to do. As in, oh yeah, it was a, it was a dream, a dream as a kid that I wanted to do it. But then it was like, it, when it, once you had a mill it was like the fact of, no, like, this is what you are going to do now, this is where you need to go and stuff on. Like that. And it, it probably did, it just now reminded it down a little bit more for me.
0: Mm. Look, I want to ask you, John, about when you left Wigan and you went to, to the NRL and, and signed for Canberra. And... You know, Millie didn't go with you because she's at school and she has her life in the UK and she has her friends there and obviously, you know, your mum and, and, and immediate family looking after her. How difficult was that to, to go to Canberra, which was a great, great move for you uh, career-wise, and to have to leave someone so close behind like that? <laughs> it was. It
3: it's, it's hard to talk. about it, it even hard I talk about it. Now, even though I'm back home, it's, I don't know. At the time, it's... It's, it's like you, you don't know what's going what's gonna to happen and stuff like that. Like I would not I wouldn't wish you feel feeling stood in the airport saying goodbye to to, to ones that you love, and especially my little girl, like, the amount of times he was used to stand there just crying his eyes out in the middle of an airport thinking, what if something happens, or I'm not going to see her for another three months. And It was a big decision there, well, it was a massive decision. And it won them for me, like, I probably put a bit of the fact, I was like, right, I need to go there, I need to prove what I'm about and stuff. And really got to an age where she started understanding I, I suppose that's probably a good thing about having a young she group to grow faster what at the same age as you type things or stages and, and she uh, she um, she understood she understood to a fair minute. and i just explained to explained to her what we're all about and i said in a, in a recent interview just gone probably the most honest i've been about it the fact that people i saw how, how good were living over there and stuff like that like i didn't I never really sat there and loved every minute of it. I love the fact that I was playing rugby over there. I love the fact that I was testing myself against the best in the world, and that's that's what I've always wanted to. If I f- feel like I needed to be anywhere, that's where I felt I needed to be. But there were days I just sit there and I just like a pretty emotional person. Sometimes I just sit there, and start crying, and get upset about not seeing people and just little stuff like Mum's birthday and Millie's birthday. Like and and I spent and Millie for her birthday for the last two years to film. Things like that as a dad, for me, they're the things that should be there, just picking up from school. The things that they hurt a lot more than what anyone thinks like they do, and people turn around and be like, oh, it's all right, you can jump on FaceTime. But FaceTime is nothing compared to being there, just put your arms around and give a kiss and cuddle and stuff. And it just, it was a tough. tough two years to have days. It was a tough two years. Like, it was great two years on on the field and stuff like that, but times when, times when you need someone there to, just put your arms on them. Especially with mum as well. I'm close to mum and brother. And it was just hard. It was really hard. But like I said, it, it was where I felt I needed to be at that moment in time in my life. But it will, it will probably one of the toughest moments in my life as well.
0: And uh, like, I don't think that's something that fans even really appreciate as well, do they? Where, you know, all the little intric- intricacies and the... The humanizing of, of players, and you you probably see that from people having their say on social media, and you bite back a few times. I've seen you on there, which is fair you know fair play. But on top of you, on top of all of that, you've had a you've had a pandemic as well. Um, and and you know, you can you couldn't see your daughter for for eleven months because of COVID. On the top of already not seeing her because being at the other end of a of a spectrum. I mean that that is going to rattle anyone's head, isn't it, John?
3: Yeah, as well as last that time last year as well. I hit my shoulder and. <clears throat> there were times there, that, like, to, um, I didn't really know what was going on with my shoulder. I had, I had two operations on my shoulder at the time. We just literally, but well, we were so tall together, especially over in Australia. We were the about not sure if a we game was going to get back underway and we weren't going to get paid and stuff like that. And then, obviously, it, came, it all came back and all got back to normal. And Then I ended up going back in for another shoulder operation. then came out loud, or looking to go elsewhere obviously with club wise thing but at that time then like I've never I've never felt it myself like I've never been put in a position where like you just everything just seemed like to get on top of you and especially with me because I didn't have, I didn't have anyone there for me apart from my girlfriend at the time so she was she was cop, like copying cop it all to to be honest with you and, It was good that he had the later defender because if not, I'd have come come home if I'm honest with you. I'd have been home halfway through last year and I probably wouldn't have gone back. It's just, it's hard at times because when I'm having a shoulder up, you've got people on say Twitter or something like that, and like saying, oh, he's only having a shoulder up because he doesn't want to play for Canberra again. I'm like, mate, come on, pull your head in, you've got to have a clue what's going on. I didn't even know if I was going to play rugby again, never mind anything else, never mind running on the field again and stuff like that. It, it, it takes it out you, mate, it? it does, it's like, don't get it wrong, like I said, I've, I have a laugh at a, a, tep, a tep, Nick and, and give as much back as what someone gives me on Twitter and stuff like that, but at times you just sit there and you just think, you know what, it's, it probably, like it gets to your family and stuff like that, well. mum, she used to ring the crying eyes out, right? like, saying, John, what's going on in your shoulder, okay, and I'm, um, and you have to reassure them on the other side, I'm like, yeah, it's sweet, it's sweet, don't worry about it, like, it's, it's just hard, it is hard, man. especially being on the side of the world, mate, it takes it out to yeah. you. Yeah, it's one well, thing you probably live and learn from it, and you grow from it and stuff like. That. And you look, you look back on it now and, see, and think well, well, what all that about. But you like I said, man, you definitely
0: live and learn from it. At the moment where John joined Canberra from Wigan to to you, Wilco and, and Flash, what what did you make of that news? Probably not surprised because of someone of his talent and being you know tapped up by an NRL team. And just go back to that day when you saw it, you saw that news article break. What were you thinking that Bateman was leaving the Super League?
1: Well, look, there's two two parts of John's career that I, I found interesting as an observer looking on. And, and the first point is when he moved from Bradford to Wigan and like within a period of 12 months, there was a kid who I thought was talented, but then all of a sudden became like, wow, this kid's like world class. And in that period, you know, John's body shape changed. He he was playing 80 minutes. He was competing hard during games and And and, and without doubt, without knowing, going into a good culture at Wigan and training hard was was great for him. The second most interesting thing for me was the point at which, not that he chose to leave Super League, is that I think if he hadn't have had to leave, because the opportunity to go to the NRL is so great for our young athletes. It's such an exciting opportunity. Like what? Actually, at that point, could the game physically do to stop somebody like John Burton leaving? I'm not sure. I'm not sure there is anything the game can do. Like you, you, John, you can go to Australia. It's a new culture. It's a different way of life. You're going to get paid an infinite amount of money more than you can over here. You know, your reputation in the sport's going to increase. Your value when you come back will have doubled. Like, you tell me why somebody wouldn't make that decision. And 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 I'm not saying that we need to sort of campaign for why players should, but that is ultimately why we lose players to the NRL. It's exciting. I'd imagine, John, you're excited when Canberra got in touch. Would that be right? 100%
3: that it's one of It's any interest is any interest that like you get is like, oh for god, someone else is someone else wants me. You know what I mean? It's you it must have been so good. But then when it's the NRL, it's, obviously it's even more so because. I suppose the game over here, we've always looked as, looked up to in our world as a big brother-type thing, is where, where the stepping stone is going to be. Uh,
0: could could Wigan have done anything in their power at that time, John, to have kept you?
3: You know what, man. It's, it's funny enough, at, at the time I went down and had a chat with Ian Lennigan, and he just went over where he's seen me at, and I just didn't, I didn't really believe where he seen me out, and I said, no, I think I'm, I'm better than that. And, Stuff like, and just talked about money and he are like, right no, I, I don't think this is where we see you at and this is what you're capped on at the club and stuff. And I said, I totally understand that. That's, that's your views and why I don't, I don't agree with you. And so I'm, that's why I'm going to take my opportunity and go, go elsewhere and go over to, go to Australia. And I don't think there are many people that thought are oh, going to do well. People thought, oh yeah, I'll compete because he's always competed. He's a competitor, but he won't go out there and do what probably some other forwards have done. And, there were people around me that know knew me best. I I always backed myself. And say, I said I knew full well what I can do and give me I always stated, give me a full pre season, I know, I know where I'll be, I can know where I'll be at. And like I said, there were probably people at, at the time that didn't didn't understand what we were on about. Just thought, oh, yeah, another we'll one and then we'll go over there will come back and one of them. But I knew what I wanted to do and I just thought my game needs to go to the next level. I have competed for the Galleon that year I think when Barber got it but then I, I thought I'm ready to go no and I, I wanted to take the opportunity while well, well I could it's quite refreshing
4: to hear that because I think a lot of England, British players get the opportunity to play in the NRL and they don't always take on the challenge and I think uh, I think all all players have been in contract negotiations and they know the worth uh, but for John to kind of just back himself and go over there and uh, and, and like I said, he just 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 knows that he, he could have done it. And I I spent two years over there when I was twenty one, and and I absolutely loved it. But coming back, it made me realise how tough it is over there, week in, week out, especially as a forward, and especially as a British lad, because they don't always give you the credit that deser- you that you deserve. And I watched John quite a bit in his first season, and um, I was really impressed with how we went. And I think to to pick up a, a Dally M um, second row of the the year award is 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 an unbelievable achievement. I think I don't know if Sam Burgess or James Graham have have picked up many of those awards because it rewards the the, the most consistent players in their position throughout the season. And to do it in his first year it was pretty special. And and obviously it it, it justified his, his decision to go over there.
0: Yeah, look, John Bateman, John Wilkin is adamant that you know more needs to be done to stop Super League's elite talent. Go, go leaving in the first place. But let me let's let's ask let's ask John Bateman first, and then you will go. So what what do you think can be done? Like, because you were in that position where you know you were tempted, and it was you, by the sounds of it, it was quite a straightforward decision, and it was a quick conversation with Ian Lenagan. They couldn't compete with what you were being offered. Um, and look, here you are back a couple of years later, but for for a number of different reasons. So take yourself back to that point a few years ago. What what would you say to? To to people who say that the Super League can't compete with keeping them.
3: You know what, mate, even just going back to that, like it wasn't really Wigan not being able to compete with what they were offering, it was more that Wigan didn't really think that's what I was worth what I wanted. If you not if you get what I mean, it was more the fact that it were like but I, I went probably went over to Canberra, like not really like much different to to what I was getting offered for Wigan anyway, so like you know, it what, the, what it did what, this it did this though John didn't it it went like this
1: it was like
0: this <laughs> <laughs> like that. <It> was like... <laughs> John Wilkin is doing an up sign by the way for people who are <laughs> oh, sorry
1: yeah sorry yeah I forgot yeah it's uh, a podcast it's a podcast I was pointing John points upwards <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: yeah it would, it would probably more of that but yeah I suppose it's hard mate it's like if anyone's if any young kid's got an ambition to do something I suppose as a young kid, <laughs> kids and kids and adults, to a that you you you're pretty now minded with that ambition, and you want to and you want to go by and do that. And if young kids from what sixteen year old are watching NRL and going right this where I want to be this, is what I want to do that's I suppose that's what they'll take the opportunity to do. But I think when I was over there, I think it, I think they got a bit they got a bit by this, and they always used to ask me, "Oh, is, what, is this? What you wanted to do? Did you want to play in NRL grand finals and?" I opened my mind. I said no. I've never I've never sat and watched an NRL grand final. I got up at seven o'clock on a on a Sunday morning and said no. This is what I want to do. I said I used to sit there. Ever sat there on the on the Super League grand final day and said this is what I wanted to do. That's what that's all I wanted to do. Me and my brother spoke about winning Super League grand finals, winning Challenge Cup. So that's what we were got. We got brought up on. But the opportunity came about for me, and I and I feel like probably probably more of what you said i get the respect off of Australians, if I'm honest with you. It's like Mark was saying, obviously, got the LM over there, but every week over there, they were waiting for me to play shit. They were waiting for me to fail. Yeah. They were waiting for they me love, to They me. love
4: bashing a pub oh, over there in the media.
3: Un- yeah, 100%. And I, I felt like if I could go over there and prove to them that, no, it's, it's not about one week we're all right and next week we're shit and we might turn up a week after that. I felt it was probably more myself when to prove to them as Australians what what we were about as English English players and stuff like. That. Like I said, it's, it was tough. It was, it was tough going. The, the, the competition is itself or, or a tough competition. But I always said to myself, and that's probably going back to the meeting with Ian i and I backed back myself to do it, and that's what I wanted to do to do. But as as doing something for kids not going, it's tough. It's it's, it's what seeing where the competition is itself and. Probably more so as well. You look at the the big benefits. Like as is a kid, oh, even even growing up and so far, like, if you're getting little stuff like boot deals, etc. extra stuff for doing this and doing that, then little incentives for, for players along. They're like, oh, well, why wanna I go try that if you've got the option there? And th- it's probably the game itself over in England needs to needs to grow itself, and, and I suppose you'll get you'll get a young kids staying here thinking they wanna they wanna be over. And, I've I've seen i both parts of why where the game is over there to the game is over here the game over here is I'd say it's, it's it's far behind obviously where they are because because they've got millions and millions of more dollars getting pumped into it week in week out so it's, that's why it makes sense that's what they're going to be, be able to do more and stuff like that so I think it's about growing the game over here firstly then I think everything else will start being a knock on effect from that if I'm honest with you. You
1: know, on that will, you were saying about how how do super league clubs stop somebody like John Bateman going over to the n r l well, they offer him a long contract when he's young on low terms that start to elevate towards the back end of his deal to tie him down that's like that's the only way to stop it is to get John when he's sixteen seventeen at Bradford and offer him an eight year deal. Like, Le- Leeds did it for a period where they seemed to offer everyone six, five, six-year deals. Like, if you're a young guy like John, back yourself. Why would you sign a five-year deal? Like, why would you just sign? Sign a two-year deal and back yourself. Or or just, just sign those short deals. Because if you're a young kid now in the market and, and, and you're competent and you're good, the NRL will be looking at you. So, selfishly, You've got to look after yourself and create an opportunity where you can make that move. And and I, and what can the game do to stop that? Will I'm not sure there is anything it can do unless we do exactly what John Berman's just said. Is just sort ourselves out, right? We sort Super League out. Let's get Super League going in the right direction. And unfortunately, until we do that, it's an inevitable consequence of it not doing well that players will leave. And and that's well, the, the, the deal marquee made. player
4: player allowance. Is is some way of keeping our talent as well isn't it it was introduced that uh, that one or two players in each team can be paid an infinite amount of money now I think it's up to the clubs to get, to bring enough revenue into their business to be able to do that so I think it's on the clubs but I think Super League has, has given allowances there's probably yeah. 10 I'd, I'd say yeah, I think you look at the like players.
3: I think they're all, all, all the majority of them, are in the English. Either. Like that's a that's they're a big thing for us. Like if, if we're gonna do that, like 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 you say their yeah. market's on the club, isn't it? Like if we're not if we're not doing it as a club, like it's <laughs> what else what can you do? If, if the clubs are are willing to do that itself, and like who tracks names? There's a kid that's from Hilly and Wigan gonna track? people watching Wigan Warriors or the kid, some brokers from Sydney who's played how many games wouldn't attract more attention. It's like, what do the clubs want? It's, it's hard to look at it. It's like, you're like, where the heads. Yeah,
2: it's, it's,
0: well, it's, it's interesting Interesting you say that because the marquee player currently, um, at present there is a, around a third of marquee players are English in, in Super League. The average age is, is currently 30. But just picking up on what you said there, Wilco, about, you know, not, Signing a long term deal and backing yourself. That is easier said than done, though, isn't it? It, it? As we've just heard, John's route into things and the people he has to provide for. If someone puts a five, six, seven-year deal on the table, you're going to take it at low terms, aren't you, at that age?
1: But how patronizing. Like, for, you know, like John Batman could have gone on to be, he could have gone on to be a rocket scientist. He could have gone on to be anything he wanted to be in life. We've got to stop talking people down in our sport like if you don't make it at sport the root is not poverty and it's not like working class backgrounds it's it's more than that you know and that that that's where we need to start really thinking about the discussion around what the aspirations we give to our athletes and and but you know i think but there's yeah, a co-
4: but, but a, a lot of a lot of kids might not come from affluent backgrounds so they might think that it's a risk perhaps not worth taking to to go to australia and risk not making it over there rather than taking a steady wage or a, a more of a safe option staying in Super League where they're known and they can always fall back on a different club or or, or drop down through the leagues. It's,
1: guilt a, gone. it's a, career in, a career in sports, guilt edged in it because everyone around you tells you that it's great, you get celebrated for doing it, you don't get rewarded when you're young, you'd stop doing another career, and the reality is, in the average career length in rugby league is four years so you've got to make selfish decisions when you're young because realistically people should be saying to you the likelihood is this is a four year journey for you and is this going to be enough so for John Batemans and that who come through the other side of it great but for every John Bateman there's a hundred guys who don't
0: the salary cap for example has has increased and quite you know drastically and consistently so You know, you go back to 2011, 10 years ago, the headline cap was 1.6 million, just over 1.6 million. And last season was 2.1 million. So Super League in that sense are doing everything they they can, Wilco, aren't they? With the the increases and the introduction of the marquee player in 2016, you know, additional allowances on top of all of that and initiatives to, to, you know, have players who've been five years out of the game, etc.,
1: yeah, I'm not I'm not saying the game isn't doing enough. The game's doing what it can. It's just not enough. <laughs> like, there is no argument for a John Batman to stay in Super League. There isn't. There's no argument. I'm not like there isn't unless he's averse to air travel, you know. The, what what are the arguments to keep our young players? The best young well, players why? are going to leave. They're gonna they, leave Flash. They, they, tell me tell me yeah, if you're are. good they, why you wouldn't leave.
4: Well, you, you left. You, you could. You yeah, I did. You could have. Why did you not go? You could have gone to Australia. You were because great the exchange rims, rate.
1: The, the exchange rate didn't work at the time. I'd be paid so you, less to play in the NRL. At so you the time,
2: think
1: it's a so it's just a reason. No, no.
4: due
1: to... Yeah, due to the salary cap, the commercial, the commercial productivity of the NRL is is, is exponentially grown, and 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 not. get me wrong. Super League. The salary cap's grown, but relative to rugby union and rugby league uh, in in Australia, it's it, it's minuscule, isn't it? It the growth, and and that's just being honest. It's not it's yeah, not that's... criticism of Super League. It's just what yeah. has happened. So the we used to have flash different of different... when I started. Yeah, when I started yeah. playing, we were signing sort of the 28, 29 year old Australian guys coming over from Australia, having played in Origin. You know, and, and that sort of change, the dynamics change, where they're taking our younger athletes and we're not maybe getting the same calibre of, you know, that international superstar players coming back and that's just commercial, isn't it? It's nothing else.
4: We, we need to uh, change the exchange rate then, don't we? <laughs> yeah.
0: But look, is it, is it, is more, it, is it the worst thing stuff. then if someone like John Bateman leaves Super League and picks up the experience that he has done at playing at that sort of level for Canberra in the NRL, and then comes back? Because there are plenty of players who are going to do that, who are just going to take a slice of, of the NRL and then come back into Super League. John.
1: Yeah, no, I think... I, look, what, what,
0: what John went through
1: is, is absolutely the right journey for him completely. Like, I, I just think there's no other, there was no other choice for him than to follow this. You know, Ian Ian Lennigan could have offered him what he was worth, but he couldn't because of the cap. So what do you do?
4: There has been like top line players. I'll give James Roby as an example. He would have been offered more money to play in Australia potentially, but didn't because he could get a very maybe not as much, but a competitive wage from St Helens. And I'm assuming his family and his boyhood club was the reason that he wanted to stay.
1: But it's a different situation completely. Flash, you understand. James Roby is at the peak of his powers, you know, and, and had been in the competition for a long time. It's a different conversation we're having. Are we talking about experienced athletes leaving Super League? Are we talking about like juvenile athletes who are getting going, who are probably just getting into the peak of the career? Tommy Merkinson, John Batmans, you know, these types of guys. We're we talking about an offer coming into well, James Roby when he's twenty eight, which
4: you know. Tommy Merkinten's another example then.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I just think that yeah, I think there's look people make decisions for all sorts of reasons. The commercial decision is to move to the NRL, isn't it? And life lifestyle maybe to move to the NRL. It uh, credibility in your career move to the NRL. So then we've got to start like discussing what's the benefits of staying uh, loyalty, which is a construct created by clubs to retain talent. It doesn't doesn't really does it really exist. I don't know if it really no, exists.
4: Not, not really, no. No,
1: so you do or your job straight. well. And, and Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think I think um, it's, it's just an interesting time for the game. I'm not being critical of Super League. I'm not being critical of the commercial side of it. But the reality is there's a really
0: compelling argument for young guys to go and play elsewhere at the minute. John, what would you... I guess, say to the younger John Bateman, 18, 19, 20, who was tempted by the NRL. I know you went over a bit later in life, but what kind of conversation would you, would, would you have with yourself back then? And to, and to younger guys, younger English, brilliant Super League talent who, who want to go to the NRL.
3: Um, yeah, obviously, regarding the age of obviously, I was what, 25, 26 when I went over and I'd come back off a, as numerous, played for England not many times. Played two, won two grand finals, lost in a couple of weekend, but played in played in the big games, played literally in World Cup challenges against Australian teams and stuff. And as soon as I went over there, it was still I was just literally were you type thing. And say for instance, if you if you're a kid now nowadays at 19, 20 year old and you're going over there, you probably won't even be half a time playing with a first team because they won't put you straight in. the they'll, they'll, they'll just put you on a, like playing with a what reserve grade over there that will put you in and. You've got to literally prove yourself all all way through, and if if I we're going to give any advice at all, it'd be make sure you've proved yourself in the your Super League first. Make sure you get to a level where you you're competing week in week out, and you're the best you can be possibly in the Super League, and just just being just being confident in yourself to say, right, yeah, I'm I'm one of the best in the Super League. I'll go over there and I'll show them show them what I'm all about. Because if not, mate, over there they look at us like you're an English lad. You're coming over here. You try to show us. How to play the game that we we play week in week out. It's it's our national sport. This is what we're about. This is where the best at it. And they look at you like 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 just like your second your second stream really. From honestly, like like you're not, like you're not all about it. Like we we know what we're about. And we we're the best at it really and stuff like. That. And it's just I'd probably just give her the advice of saying go over there once you. have once you've proven yourself if I'm honest with you because if you haven't it makes it a hundred times harder and, and probably the pressure on the fact of you having to make it over there and then and um, come back here and people say well we told you you shouldn't have done it you told you, you shouldn't have done that you did not make it out there and it's just a, there's a lot of pressure to putting put on a young 19, 20, 21 year old if I'm honest with you
1: well, what, what point John you talk about this pressure you know like where they weren't receptive to you you know at first or like there's that you know what's this guy doing here? When when exactly did that change? What what was there a moment a specific point?
3: Um, yeah, it's weird. This to be fair, we were in training, mate, and I I I, I was in obviously. I wanted in this. I want. Well, it, they said that they, I was going to be starting team, but we will training. And the first session, we wanting the I wanted the starting team. And for me going over there, I was like, Fuck, like, like I was pissed off to a fair that I was like, no, that's I came here to be playing. So then, um, first tra- first training session, the uh, the my ball, and I remember stepping, stepping, and I went straight foot line, ran, put, <laughs> put, put 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 ball down. Probably all all old lads like, oh this dickhead here. <laughs> right. So I put ball down, <laughs> put ball down, chuck ball, and just walk back. <laughs> so then Ricky Stewart just sh- <laughs> Ricky Stewart <laughs> literally. Ricky Stewart shouted me and he went, John, I said, what? He went, swapping <laughs> And I was just went, all right, sweet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a pretty funny, pretty funny moment to the fair and From there, to the fair mate. Once, once you start training, especially the lads in your team, like if the lads in your team like, know who you are like because obviously I, I'm pretty close mates with Elliot, pretty close mates with Oji and stuff like that. And they talk about you, say what you're about and stuff. And, it was probably more the outside noise a little bit like, oh, who's he? why why's he coming here, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, probably, probably won't do as well and stuff like that. And once, once I started training with the lads, the lads were good with me, the lads were really good, they took me on and they the respect you, you start getting the ball when you want it and stuff like that. And, and that's obviously just natural respect, like I'm obviously playing side by side with, with people, but from there, in just playing the games, you have to you have to play well, simple as that, mate. A little bit, obviously, my first game, First game against uh, the Finger Titans, I think it was, my debut, played against, and then I did that thing where I pretended to took the ball at, <laughs> at Jared Wallace, and I probably got more more finger from that. It's just probably about I got my name out there, and people knew I was, from there, mate, it, it just it took off to a fair, mate. If I'm honest, and just just as it went, I got more confident, and I, I thought I can I, I can easily do it over. Here. I knew I could easily do it over. Here. It's no different really to be to, to be playing. Um, to be playing week in week out in Super League, it's just going to be a tougher week in week out. So, as my confidence got better and better, mate, I just went from there.
0: John, just to, just elaborate because I've heard you say before that you don't regard your time in the NRL and with Canberra as a success because you didn't win anything.
3: Yeah, I probably to to be fair, for me personally, I played against to win stuff. I like, I'm not individually like I'm not. I couldn't give a shit if if I, if I never won anything individually. If I won all the trophies in the world, but I didn't win anything individual. I wouldn't care less, mate. I played a game to win stuff. It's a team sport. You don't go out there as an individual. You go out there as a team and we didn't win all. And as simple as that, like I don't care what what oh yeah, you got to the grand final that year. Who cares, mate? No one ever won. No eleven member Canberra getting that grand final. I remember Roosters winning it. No one ever member Canberra getting it semi final last year against Melbourne and losing. Do remember Melbourne winning it in the final against Penrith and for me that's it's all about winning stuff and we didn't win it. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's just one of them that I, I wanna win trophies. When I when I retire I can't I, I don't want to be walk sat in the pub and say, Oh, I remember that time when I got to Grand Final in two thousand nineteen? Oh, well what happened? Did you lose? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> a
0: few of them, didn't <laughs> Wilkin no. puts his I had finger in the air. Uh, <laughs> I won I won
1: a, I won a couple, but I had a few of them as well.
3: Yeah. <laughs> It just, it will just. Like I'm a competitor. I don't want to lose. I can. And when you lose, yeah. you got. You tend not to. You tend not to win. So, I, 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 I. just want... I, when you lose, you tend go, not, like, to win. not
2: to win. Yeah. That's the quote so good, far. Good saying. Yeah. <laughs> <the show>. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Look, and, but uh, set the record yeah. straight, John, because um, I, I know you've had your say on different platforms before. But there'll be a lot of people listening to this and haven't heard you speak about this before. There were there were lots of stories that you left Canberra because you were asking for too much cash, which I know you've said is bullshit. Um, And Fox Sports basically ran a story quite consistently saying that you started to make noises about your contract situation in the grand final week.
3: Yeah. So as it played out, mate, um, I got a new agent. Two weeks before grand final, I'd been, been going through and stuff like that. Well, I didn't really get it two or a couple of weeks before that. Like, to a fair, and someone asked me on the question. Someone asked me, "Oh, have you gone with Isaac Moses?" "Yeah, why?" "Oh, so what would you want to? What you? What do you want to do? Obviously, regarding going with Isaac?" I said, "Obviously, I want to start my contract negotiations over at Canberra. I want to stay at Canberra, and but I'll always do what's best for my family." And it was just as simple as that. Didn't think out of it. Got on, the, got on the coach the day after to go to because you travel up a couple of weeks earlier. Literally sat on the couch and <laughs> this news article came out. Uh, John Bateman wants to leave. J- John Bateman demands more money or he'll leave Canberra, and I was just, you know, I was just, I was sat back at, bu- at bus and I was just pissing myself to a fair, and all lads were sat there, and they're like, "What's what's this about?" And I'm like, I was like, "Just saw and saw over there." And then the, this fella, the fella who won who the article, called Michael Ch- Chambers, wasn't it Chambers at the time? And I remember him saying. Oh, don't worry about it, mate, it's, it's sweet. And we're in the car park, me and Charles and Michael Kopczak, and he, like, he, he remember, we, we both stood there, and, I, and he said, oh, is it all right if I run it? I said, oh, I said, well, where are you going to run it, mate? He said, oh, I'll run it in pre-season, don't worry about it, it'll be sweet. I said, well, there's nothing I'm really bothered about. I said, but yeah, all right, sweet. Literally went on 24 hours, 24 hours later. So then I was just talking to Sticky, and Sticky, like, don't worry about it. All blew over, and then, obviously, fast forward to halfway through this year. I remember being studying student stud- Listen to another weird story. So I was still in the gym, just stood there doing my rehab from my shoulder, and I'm, obviously you had, I have no notifications on if someone comes up on Fox Sport and it pops up, John Bateman demands um, four releases in pre-season, and I was just like, "What's going on here? I'm like, where's this come from?" Did not have a clue where it would come from. I, I still to this day don't. I still do, still to this day don't even know what what was going on. So I just started like. Oh was conditioned condition at the time and I was like, look at this. <laughs> so he's like, what's that? So I'm like, I'm supposed to be leaving. So Stick is walking down the stairs at the same time. So I've just walked up to Stick, I said, mate, what's this about? And he's just like looked at me, started laughing, he's like, not a clue, mate. <laughs> I'm like, what is it about? So then short long story short, didn't really find out what it was about then. A couple of weeks later, then I came out on Twitter and give that James Hooper a bit of shit saying it was a bullshit story and stuff like that and this and that then. Obviously, in my contract when I signed with my English agent, um, I had in my contract I could negotiate at the end of every year. But like, we where we were both at. If, if it went off, if I had a good year, we could negotiate. So it came to it, it came to negotiating the first year. Camber turned around and said, Yeah, you've had a good year. So I'm like, Yeah, sweet. So we're negotiating. And they were like, No, like that is our negotiation. So I was like, What? <laughs> like, what? what is that? You just giving me a pat on back and saying I've done well. and." so sort they're of like yeah so a bit being a bit funny about it so like right, listen it is what it is. i can't really do much about it that's that's what's signing the contract so then the year after we've got my new agent and he like oh well i'll tell you what we'll, we'll initiate the talks as in all right in negotiation and we'll go to them and see where they're at so we've said tomorrow we'll negotiate and they like oh well we can do this for this amount of years we can do this for this amount of years but we can't give you anything past 2022. it's all right so you want me to sign a two-year deal and just wait on and see what happens with the club. And if you've got money after in two thousand twenty two, if anything comes available, I'll take it. But if I am, then what am I gonna do? And they're like, Well that's a, that's what that's all we've got there and that's all you can do. So I was like, you know, like, what am I doing here? Like where, where do I go? So Isaac, my agent, he just turned around and said, Well, it's all right if we if we get permission to talk to other clubs, obviously, because you can only offer John a two year deal. So Donny Ferner, CEO, yeah, sweet mate, fine came out in paper john john Bateman gets um finger to talk to other clubs so then it come about everyone like oh well it were right him asking for a release and like, it never was i never once turned around and said i wanted to leave this club because i wanted that i said we've negotiated and we've not come to any agreement on the on the negotiations. so i've just said to his all right, if i now talk to another club to negotiate finger said because obviously we we've got a stumbling block here with our negotiations and they were both a mutual agreement either way of them saying, yeah, you do it because we feel like that. We're not going to offer you anything. And me saying, okay, I will do. Just went from there and literally that's that's all of it. But then the, that James Hooper, the same bloke, funnily enough, he, he <laughs> they were literally, I think it must have been about seven days on balance and there was story after story after story, after story. Just a day, day after, all, all days in a row and I was just like, this sports hot to be taking piss, like, what is it going on here? Like, so I was just I, I didn't know Because <laughs> like, that's the first time I'd really been involved in anything like that over there, you know, like being in the media constantly and stuff. And so then I I, I knew McInnecks who were part of the Fox League thingy, so he rang me, like, oh John, I'll get your story across, what John wanna do. And I told him it was that same story. So he then got it across. So then people were like, Oh, right, and yeah, we understand and stuff like that. Then then it just went from there to fair mate, and obviously Wigan came in and do a couple of clubs over there at the time where they were like, "Oh, we'll offer you this, we'll offer you that." End up speaking to them as you do because obviously our negotiations work and stuff like that. But it up there was always the mutual agreement there on to, on the Canberra side and my side that that's that's what we we're going to do and do No fact to me going, "This is I don't want to be here. I want to leave because of this." Like I never said that. I I, I always stated that I wanted to be at Canberra. It was just the fact they didn't have anything for me. I like, can. I'm not being funny. If if, if you're normal broke, if someone comes to you and says, "Oh well, we've only got this for a finger," but then after that, you're gonna to have to sort sort yourself out. Well, I, don't, I don't really get what what people expect you to do. If I'm totally honest with you, you know what I mean? It's we, we all live in a real world, and I don't I think people forget about that when they've got a got a green got a green shirt and I got a, got a badge of a club on and expect everything to you know what I mean? Expect everything that should be on their terms and should be. But like like I said when I was there at the time, mate, it's, it's a lot different once a club come up to you and right, gone, we want to move you on. If what happens then, Do, I don't you don't see fans coming out, like kicking up a stinker, saying saying that's absolute bullshit. right? Like because it's because it suits them when when things suit them, but when it don't suit them, it's it's a lot different. And I think that's why it was because at the time, public courses come have been in what 20 odd years and like oh this is the best team we've built and. I think a bit of it, if I'm really honest with you. I heard a few things that had come from the club itself, if I'm honest with because there were a few people in the club that had leaked a few things out, which, you know what, if if that's if that's what it comes down to, then then that pretty stuff, and then let it be, you know what I mean? I'm not too fussed, as long as people understand and know the fact what actually happened and, and know, know the truth, because I'm one of the people that I, I'm not going to let some. Some joke of a uh, report of t- trying to report a lot of bullshit stories on me when they don't have a clue what they're on about. To be honest with you, mate.
4: I think it's I think it's really interesting though some of the some of the stuff you mentioned and the the media uh, treatment of the players in the NRL is something that I I, I think's been quite unique for a long time and they the set a standard that they expect of the players which is is very high and I think it's really unattainable and it's in loads of different ways. I think in in the press they'll they'll build a player up um, to be aggressive, to be an alpha male, to be macho on the field. But then if that ever boils over as too aggressive, they'll hang them out to dry in the press. I think they they love the fact that players are uh, are just one one of the public. There's the everyday bloke, and, and they love the fact that they'll they'll drink and and socialise with fans on a weekend. But again, if there's any any minor indiscretion, that's on the front page of the. Of, of the newspapers and they hang the players out to dry and, and call them every name under the sun. And then on the case of players negotiating contracts, I know of clubs in the NRL and Super League every year shopping players around, even if they've got a year left or two years left on the contract, and telling them they're not wanted. And nobody raises an eyebrow. But then if a player does what's best for him and tries to earn money for his family for a, for a unique period of time when, when the the plane and putting the body on the line. The press turn on them and make them make them sound like a money grabbing mercenary that's that's only playing for money. And you can see with with the way that John plays, he that's that's the furthest thing for, from him. With the when he pulls a shirt on, he he died for the club and the teammates and, and 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 the performance. But that's not that's not told in the stories on on a weekend in the NRL.
1: No, yeah, and I think that's really actually quite yeah. I think it's so true Flash and and, and that's look John, John had, he's had three clubs in his professional career and that's why I had two clubs in my professional career because you know that's you know you have that respect you don't want to move around too much how many clubs did you
4: have Flash? I had quite a few yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the players that was shopped around all the
0: time he hold on Will can he, are you not counting Toronto as one of your clubs? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah no okay i didn't count they're in, they're in the championship
3: <laughs> mate just on just on what Three flash was saying as well just from the back of that um, i remember over there at the time when all all the stories were getting leaked out and stuff like that of what was going on i remember putting the tv on once and their, pre- their press their is their press runs the game to be fair because because fox fox sports is the main funder of the nro so it's obviously they get first dibs on people after the game, now will give interviews. And I remember, um, is it Paul McGregor for the um, Dragons at the time, he, he was going under. Yeah, he was, he was getting like, oh, he should leave, he should leave. And I remember they got beat, I think it might have been Jammer's last game. I think it was, they played, played at Banquest Stadium. And they put, chucked a the micro, microphone in front of the coach after the game and talked to him through stuff. And just a way the, there were three people on the panel at the end and they were just like, oh, you're going to go up to the board today and are you, going to, are you going to resign? And they were like, I mean, why would I resign? Like, the team's struggling, like, I'm not going to ditch you. And they're like, no, but we think you should. Like, everyone in the media thinks you should. You you definitely should do it because you've literally done nothing for your team. They're not going anywhere and they're struggling. And it was probably at that time, uh, I literally sat there, probably one of the first time, not first time, but re- you realised more so, you're like, don't take it to heart, John, because literally these these boats are doing this for their own, for, for the job, they have after, because if I, if their viewers don't go up, then they'll get sacked. Because it's their job at the end of the day. And I just, like, I come mean, missus misses and me and missus sat there and we you, we just we just, you just laugh at it because you think that's that's what they they have over trying to get you know to try to get their point across. And if they have to do it that way, then fair enough, let them do it. But don't get caught up in the whole shit of it all. If I'm honest with you,
4: I think the the media needs to be careful as well over there because the players in the NRL are so accessible. They have weekly press conferences with, with whatever players they want, they interview them whenever they want, but if they carry on writing negative stories constantly and picking at every single facet of a player's life, I, I can see players just just banning themselves from talking because I don't think they need the press as much as they used to because of social media. Players can have their own brand and have their own voice out there. They don't need to, to use the media and the TV to get their voice out. They can use their own platform. So I think... The NRL and the media needs to be very careful with with the route they're going down with the treatment of plays because it, it might not continue.
1: Yeah, and I, I look, I agree with you, Flash, completely. But the counter to that is the rugby league press in the UK rarely ask the right questions or difficult questions. And there's like a complete contrast, isn't there? The NRL media are like completely intrusive and they've made it into like a drama like the NRL is a drama you know the players going out it's controversy it's like ecstasy controversy and all and they've created this narrative where it's entertainment whereas over here like i just don't i'm not saying that i encourage it but premier league football's done it and and the more interest you get the more profile you get the more press gets involved and the more it turns it into like a dramatic situation and and that's like self evident through anything like politics, you know, is the yeah. same as that. But, it I, can but be I don't toxic, think flash, many other sports
4: were, were were the players are that accessible to the media. So like when you played over there, John, you'd have requests to do interviews all the time, and you were expected to do it. I reckon. If the club said someone X X Y and Z wants to speak to you this week, you'd have to do it. But if they carry on right, if 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 they did, if John went over again and they wrote all the negative press. But they did again. I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like John in that situation had gone, No, fuck up. I'm not doing it. If they're gonna write shit. Yeah, about but it's me, contractual, uh, uh, it? It's
0: the same as the Premier League footballers. You know, you have to yeah, do it, John. It's within the T V f- contracts.
3: Yeah, we had a little bit like that, but then there were some of the boys in our place, they were like, You can get folks like they're not I'm not doing it. But then some of the boys would do it, obviously because they wanted to. And I suppose it's it's how it's how I could be different from how John would look at our Mark and look at I like it, I could like, like I said, I, I just like, to them, water walk off a duck's back. Then you sell the stories, let them try and sell it. And, but then some of the boys would be like, no, because then some of the boys would go home, read it, and be like, fuck, I can't, why, why is it doing this? And stuff like that. So it's like all people, our uh, boys have boys dealt with it. And I agree with Ma, what Mark says, then, but I also agree with what John says. It's obviously the game, the game to get it, to get people talking about the game. I suppose the media needs to be that side of it but then on the other side what Mark's saying you're going to get lads and you're like you fuck like I'm not going to bother doing it if you're going to make a sh- sh- dickhead out of me type like Curtis Scott Curtis Scott was a prime example last year mate he was my team and he got dragged through dragged through everything and it turned out he didn't do anything like he literally laid <laughs> laid underneath a tree piece and he got he got sprayed with pepper spray he got he got $300,000 $300, thingy on his head because he had to got caught every day but then it turned out that it won't guilt him, but then he'll play. He didn't. He didn't want to come to training because his head was all out of place with what the press was saying week in week out and stuff like. So it's, it's one of them. It's. It depends. You can look at it, else, either way, work not you, and it's, I suppose it's probably more on the person, how the person would deal with it yourself.
0: Yeah, look, I want. I want to look forward now, John, and talk about. Um well, potential World Cup with England uh, down the line. And then, of course, the new season, which is starting on Friday, you guys kick off against Lee. Your relationship with Sean Wayne is an interesting one because I think the first time that you ever set eyes on him, you were too nervous to even speak to him, weren't you? I'm
3: pretty sure I told this story about a thousand times to people. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> we're in a, I had a meeting with him at the agent's office and they just chat, sat down and, the big long table I was only nineteen at the time and I was absolutely shitting myself for a good solid week, knowing full well that I was gonna sit down and have a meeting with him and we sat there and over across the table and they were him, Mark Bitcoin, and Chris Radlinski at the time and then they were my agent and we just sat there and I literally I broke out just sweating my tits off. Like I literally could not stop sweating. <laughs> like could could not stop sweating. I was just sat there like every Every word, every question he asked me, I was just like they couldn't spit my words out, and he literally had to. He was like, John, listen, we're gonna we're gonna pause this meeting, we're gonna all go out room, have a bit of fresh air, and me and you would just come back in and have a chat. And from there, well, it went it went a little bit bad. Once it? it went much better, but yeah, from there, we we hit it off to the firm. We we pretty much got on with each other since. We've had a few it along the way, but I'm, I suppose we call ourselves pretty close mates.
4: He's quite an intimidating character, isn't
3: he? Oh mate, definitely. <laughs> especially as a, especially as a young kid. <laughs> you know, I'm absolutely bumbling myself, mate. If I'm honest with you, I didn't know, I, <laughs> I didn't know what to say or do. It. It probably more so as well for me, mate. When I met him at the time, they'd come off they just come off of winning the double, and I didn't honestly, I didn't have a clue why they, were, why they wanted me at the club. Like if I'm honest with you, I was just like, why, why do you even interest in signing me? You know, like, what am I gonna say today? Like it, the deal was more or less done, but I thought I had to do something on that day or say something on that day to, to make the deal confirmed. And, you know what I mean? I thought I had to give him all the words of wisdom. What we're gonna come and do at club? What we're we gonna come do at the club? But yeah, pretty much from then mate, we we're pretty off and we've had some good years together.
0: Right, you've had some some unbelievable years together. I mean, how excited does it get you the idea of a World Cup with Sean Wayne in, in charge of England in this country, John?
3: Oh mate, it's, it's one of the biggest things From Just, I'll probably go, go to the fact of having a World Cup in this country for me, mate. It's, that is, that's literally a dream as a kid, like playing for your country. But then in a World Cup over here, you, you watch the football over here and you see how, how how the nation goes and the further and further the football get And Hopefully this year we can do the same, we can, everyone can get behind us and we can go out and win it mate. I had a little bit of a taste of it, obviously in 2017 when we played in Australia, got to the final and Probably want us good because one as one at home, but we didn't manage to get the win. But we shot with Sean Wayne there with us as well, mate. It's, I know what he brings to brings to a team, and I know what he'll get out of us. And I think he'll get that little bit of extra that we probably didn't have in 2017. Uh, he'll give he'll give us that, and just being an English English coach and what it means to him himself, and I think it'll bring 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 some great passion out in, in the players that we've got there, and that I think we'll go one better this year.
0: Yeah, what, what is that then, that, that Wayne Bennett couldn't get out of you, potentially, that Sean, Sean can, you know, Apart from passion, because there's so many of the players that he knows so well, but better than Wayne knew when he took over and got the job.
3: I think that's one of, one of obviously, the best things about him. Man. There's players there that he knows. He knows how we tick and he knows how we work and stuff like that. And no disrespect to Wayne Bennett, because probably Wayne Bennett's one of the best coaches I've been under. You know what I mean? As a man manager, what he knew he had to get out in the players, he were was perfect, but... It's probably more the fact that Wayne knows more of the players in the in the squad. I've always said it as well, mate, you you don't really have to coach an English, England team. You've got players there that are there because they're, they're the best. You don't really have to coach them. Give them a bit of a structure and get them up for a game. And that's <laughs> as simple as that, mate. You give them a structure, you tell them what you want to do and give them a bit of a game plan. But then you'll you get them up for that game that week and you've only got to do it as how many times in the World Cup, for, for, for about eight times, you know what I mean? If you do that for eight, eight games, you, you're going out there and you're winning the World Cup. and that's what, I know it sounds as simple as that, but that's probably what, what we want. and Wayne will give us plenty of that this year, mate, and looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be like a cage bull ready to go, doing a bit of coaching because he's been... Stuck in house, watching the laptop. Ball. Like, <laughs> watching the laptop. He's like, in cage. <laughs> was, with a Sean Wayne face. <laughs> <A minute ago. laughs>
0: Look, that, that grand final defeat, just looking ahead to the new season and thinking back to what a brilliant game that was. Did Did you feel that like one of those Wigan players that was on the pitch, even though you were watching from Oz? I, I, I was
3: actually flying at the time, mate. And I was... Um, I was on my way over on, on the plane and I, I had I had some B- wife. Business, and-
1: business class.
3: <laughs> we got pay yeah, for it. It definitely turned <laughs> up. cheers <laughs> we really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I'll tell you what, Len- it's cost Leno a bomb after that meeting with first had.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, no, yeah. But obviously then I'll, I'll, a couple of my mates back home, they were they were chucking videos in and just chucking the video, obviously the last the last thing you, what happened in the game and stuff and pretty good for the lads and stuff like that, but I suppose if you're going to lose, it's it's one way to lose in it. And I suppose the year that happened last year, you really, if you had to write it, that's probably what would have happened. And yeah, it's, we haven't really spoke about it much, if I'm totally honest with you mate. It's it, one of the things you can't really do much about, What can you do about it? Speaking about it, it's, it not really get you anywhere, you know what I mean? It probably just gets you more angry and more, more annoyed at the fact that you've lost, especially in the grand final, so yeah, we're looking forward to getting back underway this this Friday against Leeds, mate. And pretty, we've got a pretty good squad put together and stuff like that. It's a pretty no, we'll zen answer, that, isn't it? It's a pretty zen <laughs> answer, isn't it? You know what I mean? Watch it's that. just,
1: what can we do about it? What can yeah. we do about it, you know? Yeah. Talking about it, it's going to get us more mad. It is what yeah, it, it is.
3: Jump
2: it, yeah. jump, yeah, move Bateman, <laughs> the guru. <laughs> 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 I've changed. It. <laughs> yeah. it's, it,
0: it's a it's a great bit of drama to to sort of go into a new season with, though that grind final, isn't it? Because it wasn't a big break. But Mark, John, what are you thinking then ahead uh, off the back of that game, um, and then you know with the new recruits that we've got, and and like Bateman back in Super League, it's going to be a, a great few weeks ahead, isn't it? It was
4: just on Wigan. I think um, John's coming back at a, a really good time. Um, since he left, they've had to blood a lot of young forwards especially. And I th- can just see them getting better and better. The likes of Smithies, Havard, Partington have, have really come of age this last probably 12, 18 months. And I, th- I thought some of those young lads were, were outstanding in the grand final. So I think it's probably it's great timing for John to come back into the fold. Obviously, Sean O'Loughlin's retired, but if he can bring the, the experience and that big game mentality... From the NRL and I think all the young lads who, who played in that grand final will be will be better for the experience. I I, I really think Wigan could be the team to beat this year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Flash completely. I think Wigan haven't lost anyone, particularly, they've just gained. <laughs> and that's like really weird in a season not to lose an awful lot. I mean Lockers has retired, but but he was playing, you know, bits and bats here and there at the back end of his career. For me, the, the grand final last year could be a landmark game for Super League because it was one of the only games I've watched where I thought this is nothing to do with how people are attacking. It was all about like absolute ferocious defensive sort of mindset. And um, yeah, in Saints and Wigan, without doubt, Will, that they are the two best sides in the competition, you know. I think I read something, Castleford have come out and said they're going to have a season like 2017 this year where you know, they finished top of the league. And I, look, I admire that sort of talk.
4: John like, I really
1: admire it. Well, no, no, I don't think it was. I think it was somebody <laughs> higher up. It, it's, um, I admire it, but come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, well, look, I think no, I, in all seriousness, Warrington, Saints, Wigan, Kass a chance of getting somewhere near that. And then, look, we, we're, we're in for an exciting year. And let's, be frank. This is all about building up for the World Cup. This year is all about the World Cup.
0: Go on then. So, look in terms of the new season, Mark. Give me a winner. Give me a surprise package. Give me relegation and a man of steel. Okay, I
4: think I think Wigan will win it. Um, I think a surprise package will be Huddersfield. Um, they've recruited well. They've got a decent coach in Ian Watson, my old mate. Um I think uh I think Lee'll get relegated, unfortunately. I think um it's been too hard for them to recruit and too big of a jump up from, from the championship this season. Um and I think Man of Steel, um well John's on the show, John Bateman's on the show, might as well give it him. That. <laughs> look at like, we'll look
1: look his it. little face light up then. Pearly uh, white. We have to repeat the. What were the questions?
0: <laughs> winner surprise package, relegation and man of steel. Uh,
1: winner um, saint. Just because I'm, I'm, obviously I've got to say that. Um, surprise package. Um, I think I don't know. I don't know if Leeds can Leeds be a surprise package. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea who's going to be a surprise package. Huddersfield, Flash, I think is probably right, the closest to being a surprise package. Uh, Lee will get relegated. Man of Steel. God, I'll have to go with my old mate, James Robey, just because I think like maybe the stars align for him to, to win it this year, but that's completely biased, isn't it?
0: Um, look, John, we've kept you so long, but I've got a few more questions for you. In fact, because we, every week we put, um, put it out to people on Twitter, on, at out of your RL. And Matt says, uh, Matt's a Wigan fan, by the way. He says, Should an NRL club acquire some bottle and appoint Sean Wayne? You can rattle through these answers. Yeah, in fact, that's if
3: Sean Wayne wants to go over there, mate. It's a sweet spot if he wants to go there as well, do not he? Sure, he'd bring a lot to the club over there, but it's probably the same way he's at as well, himself. it would work well over there, definitely.
0: He gets linked every year. We spoke to him about it last season, I think, because he's come as close as being in talks and whatever. But, I mean, look, if, yeah. if an NRL club wanted Sean Wayne, I mean, if he wanted to go, he'd get the job, wouldn't
3: he? Yeah, should do Hundred percent, 100%. 100% man. I think, yeah. like I said, I think he'd it'd work, it'd work well over there. Uh,
0: this one from Willis. Uh, Willis asks, uh, what's the main difference between the club environment in the NRL compared to Super League?
3: Probably not much, to affirm it, if I'm honest with you it's pretty pretty similar obviously the lads lads are pretty similar the same crack around the place and everyone gets on with each other and that's that and...
4: funny over there
3: but then mm. I, I suppose I suppose in Canberra it, they probably understood us a bit more because they had, they, had, they had quite a few of us there so the they understood us quite a bit you know <laughs> yeah. like as <is> it <laughs> they were prepped like, they were yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they, they understood us quite a bit like that, but yeah it's probably <laughs> probably more a bit a bit Dog eat dog over there, if I'm honest with you. Like you the know you like to play rugby and the know you there to probably take their position and they want to take yours if I'm honest with you a little bit. But around the place it can be good.
0: Uh this one from the Saint, toughest opponent in NRL. Toughest opponent. Mm.
3: I had some good battles with um from Penrith. Um some good battles with him and Tedesco, t- t- Tedesco, mate. Tedesco, a good, a good player. He'll always got to be on the ball. He's, Bob's up? Bob's up don't right, expect Tim Turn. He's, he's just, he's, he's a good player, mate. A very good player, skillful. And he's got probably got it full package. If i sure.
0: uh, A couple more. Joe asks, best away ground to play at in Super League.
3: Wakefield. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, I'd, probably, I'd probably go to Leeds. I, I, I haven't played at a new place, but as a Bradford lad, every, every time I played at Leeds, it's, I, I love it because it's obviously <laughs> the other side from where I'm from. And we always love going there as a kid, watching Bradford play. Him, so I'd probably say Leeds, mate.
0: Yeah. Uh, last one from the, the, the Twitter Rati. This one from the, the By the Bulls podcast. And they ask Have you kissed and made up with James Hooper yet?
3: Nah, not spoke to him. <laughs> Still waiting for a text off him, but I think he's lost my number. <laughs>
0: right, John, we'll finish off with 10 quickfire questions for you. These are literally just quickfire ones. Okay, um, we start with the obvious one. What's your favourite cheese?
3: Favourite cheese? What's <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, no, halloumi, halloumi. What's I don't yeah, halloumi
0: UFC. UFC, pins locked in the octagon. Who do you fancy yourself against? John Wilkin or Mark Flanagan?
3: Um, <laughs> who shall we go for? Both of <laughs> you. Yeah. He, he beat us <laughs> a tag Absolutely. team. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Celebrity crush? Celebrity crush?
3: I put the best here. Uh, Margaret Robbie? Yeah.
0: Right. What's in your fridge right now? <laughs> um, I actually went
3: shopping Stella, yesterday so quite a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, got a he's got a walking he's <laughs> got fridge <laughs> my next, <laughs> my next <laughs> door neighbour give me a uh, creative Stella oh. over there so you know what we
2: want. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: if you could borrow a private jet for the day where would you go Um Vegas When things break, do you prefer to fix them or replace them? Replace we'll them, it's easier. <laughs> what was your answer? Replace we'll them, it's easier. Replace them. Uh, if you could yeah. ask God one question, what would you ask him?
3: Uh, oh, 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 it's tough on that. I probably, I probably never get that deep. If I'm honest with you, mate. <laughs>
1: get, you need to get
3: deeper, mate. You're not the guru. You said you were the guru.
2: Yeah.
3: What am are gonna do when I die? Yeah, that one. <laughs>
0: Gladiatorial fight to the death. Who wins, Sean Wayne or Ricky Stewart?
3: Wayne. <laughs> Wayne. he's going going to be my coach probably a lot lot sooner than (laughs) what (laughs) Ricky is
0: you walk into a room and Mickey McLaurin and Josh Hodgson are both strapped to a chair covered in dynamite which is about to explode you only have time to save one of them who is it?
3: (laughs) Um, probably Mickey a, a bit <laughs> Mickey probably, looked after me probably nah, probably No. Nah, no. good look, enough John Mickey, look, Mickey looked after me when I was a young young lad but well, I'm close to Oggy as well so <laughs> I <don't know> <laughs> no that's
1: you're not that, you're not answering the question <laughs> Answer we need a name me. Bateman we
3: need a name go, please I'll go Mickey I'll go with Mickey <laughs> oh Sorry, <OG>. Josh <laughs> Josh <laughs> shit
0: <laughs> um, would you go back to the NRL yes or no
3: um no uh, yeah, I don't know No, probably not, no. I'm probably happy with where I'm at.
0: (laughs) And last question, uh, the most important one we keep till last. Um, You can keep all of your medals and silverware, John, from your career at the expense of having a chode micro-penis for the rest of your life. Do we have a deal, (laughs) yes or no? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that competitive.
2: <laughs>
3: He's gone. You can
2: have him.
0: <laughs> I'll move away somewhere else.
2: I don't care.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
0: and that's a lovely that's- way to finish, John. I really appreciate it, mate. Uh, you, we kept you so long, but fascinating here about all your time in the NRL and that sort of um, side of things. And great to have you back in Super League. Thank you so much for listening uh, to out of your league. We'll have a new episode for you every week available to download from wherever you get your podcast and you can watch us on youtube don't forget to give us a follow on at out of your rl on twitter be seeing you